Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. 133 in Edmonton. Now, we just did Greta Bar Trivia. For Greta Global Street Food, Greta Bar, eat, drink, and play up for grabs a $50 gaming card for when Greta Bar reopens. The question was, today is the anniversary of the Mike Comrie trade to the Philadelphia Flyers in 2003. The Oilers got back Jeff Wawitka first in 2004, a third in 2005. They took Danny Sabret with a third. Who did they take with the first? And with the answer, here's Brendan Escott. Oh, boy. Uh, Rob Shrimp, he of the uh, shootout lore, I suppose, and very little else. And congratulations to Michael A., who knew the answer to that one. Oh, man. What a what an interesting player Rob Shrimp was. A uh, different cat to say, hey, London, one thing about the London Knights, they've always had skill. <laughs> Uh, uh, for Robin, who took time to reach out via Twitter, Robin, you cannot win. Uh, you have still not have spent all your overtime brother uh, and taproom gift cards circa 2003-2004 from back in the day. As we go to our NHL insider, John Shannon, for Legacy Heating and Cooling, pay no overtime rates on 24-7 service and repairs. Hello, John. How you doing? Great, Bob. You? Good. Now, were you the president of the Rob Shrimp fan club back in the day? No, I was in. Uh, I was a member, and I had a, a card and a secret decoder for the Danny Servette fan club for that team in London too. They, uh, yes, there you go. And of course, part of that 2005 World Junior team that uh, absolutely dominated. Uh, Sean Bell was on the team. We mentioned him. Uh, there were some other guys that might have been a little bit better on defense. Sean would be the first to tell you that. Uh, Dion Phaneuf, uh, Shea Weber was on that D. I think Brayden Coburn was on that defense as well. Uh, and it looks it looks like the World Juniors are going to get pulled off here at Edmonton, John. Well, I think where everybody's going and talking to a few people within the federations and a few of my network friends, uh, I think the the key date is the 18th, uh, and that's when there will be a real in, uh, indication about uh, um, where the where the virus is amongst the the playing members of the the rosters on these teams, uh, and that the bubble is fully up and running. And and that to me is the watershed moment okay. that we'll be able to say it. So as much as we think that yes, it looks like it's going to be pulled off. Um, I would say there's a bit of a cautionary tale, but it's we're, we're within four or five days of saying that, yes. John, uh, you of all people know the value of television. To that end, what does the IIHF owe to TSN for making the World Juniors what it is? TV in the beginning. Let's remember, CBC. This was a CBC property for the for the first uh, six or seven years. But uh, when when TSN came on the uh, on the stage and and then and became a real valuable, maybe the most valuable partner that Hockey Canada had. It wasn't just the World Juniors, but it's the World Championships, it's the World Women's, it's the Under 18, uh, and the amount of exposure that young Canadian hockey players get on TSN. 
Uh, I think it's as valuable a partnership as we've seen in hockey and television uh, since the old days of Hockey Night in Canada and the original six. Uh, it's impactful. Uh, it has become a win-win uh, situation for, for actually a win-win-win for the Federation, uh, a win for Hockey Canada, and certainly a win for TSN. Uh, and, and look, just look what's happened. Uh, you know, one of my other many jobs over the years, Bob, was I ran the NHL network in the United States. And in 2009, uh, we structured a deal with USA Hockey to get at least some of the games uh, from the World Juniors in Ottawa uh, on the air in uh, in the United States. And, and look at this year, the NHL Network is going to televise as many games as TSN will in the United States, so hockey fans in the U.S. will get their fill of the World Juniors as well. Well, uh, we all know in 2009, that was your Everly scored the game tire in Ottawa against the Russians. The next year, which was technically the 2009-10 season, but the 10 World Juniors, uh, that event was in Saskatchewan. We were at, the Oilers were playing at Rogers, at Rexall Place at that time, and uh, Canada was in the gold medal game against the U.S. The game went overtime, and they put the game on the scoreboard while the NHL game was going on because there were so many people that were watching the TVs in the concourse that weren't in the building. They said, well, let's, let's put them both and give people the option. I don't know if the players were particularly ecstatic of that that were playing, but the fact in terms of on the ice at Rexall Place, but sometimes you got to give the customers what they want. You know what I'm saying, John? Uh, the backup goalie's probably like... You're right. Good for you. Good good for you for looking for the silver lining. All right, John. Here's the uh, $3 billion question. What's happening? What's shaking between the NA? It's very quiet right now, John. Or is it quiet? I mean, we know they're talking, and there's a, there's a great deal of discussion on so many different levels, whether it be COVID-related or COVID rules-related. Um, you know, we know that there's a, a schedule that has been circulated amongst the teams uh, for a 56-game schedule that starts on the 13th. But that was built on the basis of playing in each of the arenas. And, you know, as of today, there's I think there's question marks of, of whether – uh, each team in the NHL can start in its own city. We know that we know right now that San Jose cannot. Uh, we know that there's a good possibility that the state of New York is going to shut down uh, to a great extent. What does that do for uh, the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Sabres? Uh, there are huge, huge questions still when it comes to COVID and when things can open up. Dr. Fauci has advised many people within the hockey world uh, that the uh, the pinnacle of the pandemic will be the 15th of January. Uh, what does that do to the thinking process? Uh, I talked to one person today who's closer to the player's side, and they suggested uh, that uh, we probably are going to start in bubbles of some sort. It won't be the bubble like we saw in Toronto and Edmonton, but we could have multiple bubble cities, Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal, and Canada, and three in each of the divisions in the United States, and who knows when that that season would start, and who knows how many games it would have. There's so, still yeah. too many variables, Bob. There's still too many variables. Well, and, and John, I mean, you're well aware of the infection rates that are now in Edmonton, in Toronto, in Montreal, and some people say, well, you can't have it there. Of course, part of it is how you can actually cordon off and close off uh, 
and, and provide the players with the safety, which you can do in Edmonton, uh, given the JW Marriott's connection, obviously, to, to Rogers Place and, uh, and the whole ice district that's there. So that, that, that's interesting. Bob, I would, the one thing I would tell you, the, the interesting thing about it is as much as we are in a little bit of a dizzying state in our country about, yes. the, about, the, about the virus and what the virus is doing in certain jurisdictions, just know that it's five times worse in the United States. You know, I mean, and, and there has to be there has to be more concern put on, you know, the, the, the 24 cities and the 24 teams that play in the United States right now, uh, as opposed to what's gone on in our country, where our, our our infection rate, as much as we think it's bad, is not near as high as it is in the United States. Our death rate is bad, not near as high as it is in the United States. And we feel we have better control of it here in our country than they do in the U.S. So those are concerns that I think have to be put front and center, not just in sports, but in day-to-day life. Yeah, and it's, that, I mean, it's, and it gets back to being a bit of a political football, John, as you know. And uh, everybody's got an opinion on it. I mean, just to put things in perspective, the, the last time I checked, the current uh, uh, deaths per million population the province of Alberta, the only state that is lower than the province of Alberta right now is Vermont. Vermont has Vermont has 630,000 people in that state. That is the only state that is carrying a uh, lower death rate per million than Alberta. As bad as it's been in Alberta, we're over, we're over 770 deaths right now in the province for 4.4 million people. Every other state is near 200 uh, deaths per million right now in the U.S. Yeah. Hawaii is at 194, Maine's at 199. So that kind of puts things in perspective. So absolutely. Uh, and that's interesting about Dr. Fauci, and we'll see how this all works out. But you're saying, so you think they might be starting, like, maybe for the first month, they might actually be in a couple of bubbles in Canada to get going? Potentially. I mean, there, there is no question that it has been discussed. There's no question it's been discussed because they have they have to they have to search every every option, Bob. They have to look at everything in this situation. Uh, this is not we're, this is not what we're doing. Uh, you know, starting on January 13th, and we're going to do it come hell or high water. That just cannot. If you're sitting there saying that the most important thing is the safety of our employees and our players, yeah. then you have to consider every option, and the NHL is doing that. John, we know that players are heading back as we speak. How big do you think training camp will end up being? I mean, some will say, well, why don't you just push the training camp back till January the 15th and start the season February 1st and play 48 games instead of 56? And that ultimately might be the way it is. But how many players do you think uh, get invited into training camps? Do you have an idea? Well, I think that's part of the negotiation right now. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of discussion between the league and the union to figure out all of the roster implications. Uh, like, for instance, if, you, if, if you're on the NHL roster and you get COVID uh, and you go on a COVID reserve list, does your salary, you're not, on, you're, you're not on the IR, you're on a short-term list, does your money count against the cap for that period of time you're on the COVID list? I mean, those are things that have to be discussed and that are being worked out. Um, that's that's the interesting now, and whether they just live and die 
abide by what the uh, rules that they had in the summer go, that may be one thing. But when you consider that if you're going to play a longer season uh, and there is some travel involved, how are you going to bring players who are going to re uh, replacement players? Where are you going to put them? Are, the, are they going to get NHL salaries? I mean, I think there's lots of things player-based that have to be discussed uh, between the union and the league before we uh, figure out whether um, how many guys come to camp or not. Yeah. Uh, when do you think we'll start to see some more information get out? Because it's been kind of quiet, don't you think? Which is a good sign. Which is a good sign. Which means that they are behind closed doors or, you know, closed video screens between Toronto and New York. Uh, and discussing all of this, trying to make uh, trying to make something of it, uh, and I, I mean, I, I think that there was a real hope that we would have something by the end of the week, but it's Wednesday already, uh, and and so I, I suspect I think the fingers are crossed that we do something early next week. So the 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 fourteenth is. Uh, what, what is today? Today's the uh, today's the fourteenth, isn't it? I've lost track of time. Anyway, Monday's the twenty-first. Monday's yeah. the twenty-first. Yeah. Sorry, Monday's the twenty-first. I I thought they they would like to try to get things go, uh, and unveil things before the NBA started, and the NBA starts on Tuesday the twenty-second. Now the league, the owners have tended to follow Gary's lead here. I think we're both of the belief. I don't want to speak for Gary, but I, I is it fair to say Gary wants to play? <laughs> to speak for Gary, and when I've done, I've gotten in trouble, so how's that? Um, well, we share that uh, then, John, well, as you know. So. There's no question that Gary Bettman believes there needs to be a season. Okay. There's no question he believes there needs to be a season for a multitude of reasons that we could spend the rest of the uh, rest of the show talking about that. But yes, there's there's no question that Gary believes there has to be a regular season and a Stanley Cup winner. And I mean, it, it goes part and parcel with the fact that we had a return to play during the summer to make sure there was a Stanley Cup champion in 2020. Do you envision a uh, scenario where Gary might have to convince some of the owners to play? No, not anymore. I, I think that I think that uh, that ship has sailed. I, I think that there is a tremendous amount of vote of confidence uh, in uh, in Gary. I think that occurred last week with the executive committee. Even some of the uh, the uh, teams that were. Uh, leaning towards not wanting to play, not paying salaries, closing down for the year. I think that there became a, there was a vote of confidence for Bettman and a belief that what Gary what Gary has done since 1993 for this league is something that the owner should believe in. John, conversely, is Scott Housen in a more unique situation because 12 of the ownership groups in the American Hockey League are separate from their NHL franchises. They actually pay a fee each year for the players, um, and that might be more of a battle at that AHL level? I, I think that's possible, Bob. I mean, the AHL has sent a tentative date of, of February 4th to start, uh, but that's all based on where the pandemic is and, and probably where the NHL is at the same time. Um, but I also think that uh, it's not just the independent teams that are have to be concerned. I think the NHL play, uh, teams that play those salaries and the cash flow have to be concerned as well. Uh, the investment of, of, of minor pro players, uh, I think, has to be measured for the short term. And I think certain some teams will have a different feeling about it than others. 
and I suspect that the, in the end, the dollar and the cost of those teams and those games will measure out and win in the end. John, I'm going to put you a bit on the spot here, but you'll be able to think on your feet, uh, which is not something that I don't always pull off effectively. We started with the World Juniors. Do you have a couple favorite World Junior moments? You know, it's funny. I, I have not been around the World Junior near as much as my friend Paul Graham, who's already in Edmonton and living life, uh, you know, in this presidential suite at the Sutton Place. Um, <laughs> I haven't been around it. <laughs> I haven't been around it as much as he has. Um, uh, but you, you know, I I, I think I, I think the. Uh, uh, the, the 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 overtime game in Regina, if remember, serves me. Uh, John Slaney's overtime goal, uh, that that jumps out at me. Uh, I also re- also remember one tournament that uh, I mean the the, the the Dennis McDougal one, uh, Dennis McDonald one, where he turned the lights out in part of beats, and that reinvented Don Cherry of to some sort. Right. Uh, that that was another one, uh, but I've usually been totally ensconced in the National Hockey League to enjoy the the World Juniors as much as other people have, and some of it was for uh, because I was busy. The other one was I was jealous that it was so popular, and I wanted to know why the Hockey Night in Canada couldn't be as popular as the World Juniors at times. Yeah, the punch up in Piastani in 1987. I mean, that's just yeah. frightful stuff. Yeah. Uh, that tournament in Saskatoon and Regina, the final I think was in Saskatoon. Saskatoon at South Place. That was the year it was so cold the players' hair froze after games. They'd have their showers and it was so cold that their hairs was coming off clumps at a time when Slaney scored. Of course, Eric Lindros was on that team and the Russians were pretty good. Uh, I just remember... Well, remember, the, remember the, that, the, that one in Saskatchewan and the one I think... I want to say there was a previous year in Alaska uh, when yes. better off better yes. off uh, Burray uh, and Mogilny played as a line. Yep. And that wasn't bad. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't good for anybody. I, I mean, they destroyed. Forsberg also lit it up in one of those tournaments as well. I think he had like, I don't know, like nine points in one game against Japan or something. Somehow they got in the tournament. John, great Bob, stuff. You would have, Bob, you would have had eight points against Japan that day. So. No, I lacked the speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, character, and discipline to have played on the Swedish World Junior Team, John. <laughs> Talk to you later. See, that is John Shannon from... Our uh, NHL insider, again, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. It is currently 151 in Edmonton. We'll wrap up Oilers Now after this. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. And welcome back, everybody. 153 in Edmonton. Just heard from John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Pay no overtime rates on 24-7 service and repairs. Do want to tell you Royal Pizza. Pizza passed and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. I've referenced uh, the Canada game against the Americans. John Carlson scored the game winner in, I believe it was that the one in Saskatoon. I'm thinking that was the one that was in uh, Saskatoon. I don't, I hope I got it right. Who knows? Uh, 
you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the game that was on TV uh, on the big screen at Rexall Place during the course of the Oilers game. And Jordan Everly, I think, scored either the game. Yeah, I think he scored the third and fourth goal for Canada to force the game into OT. Tactically, Brendan, we've already done this day in Oilers history. Yeah, in some senses, we have. <laughs> go, go for it. Uh, yeah, 2003, uh, the Oilers do trade Mike Comrie to Philadelphia for Jeff Wojtka, first-round pick in the 2004 draft, and a third-rounder in 05. That first-rounder we know turned into Rob Schremp. The third-rounder is London Knights teammate Danny Sivret. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Uh that was the year Speck and myself really got going on a show called Total Sports, and that was one of the big debates was the handling of the Mike Comrie situation. And uh, Mike had obviously received uh, significant signing bonuses at that time on his ELC. He'd hit the home run with that stuff. Uh, there was a breakdown in the relationship. Um, Rich Winter was standing firm in his convictions for the Comrie camp. Uh, Kevin Lowe was standing firm in his convictions for the uh, Edmonton Investors group and unfortunately we uh had what resulted uh, Comrie you know had a decent NHL career I'd suggest to you that uh, I've always been of the belief that uh, he's a pretty good guy uh sometimes you kind of wish you may, it makes you wonder what might have happened if there could have been a way to have worked that whole scenario out but that is what ended up resulting in, and that is that uh, a trade occurred and Carmi did have another 30 goal season later with Phoenix. He didn't stay with the Flyers very long. They flipped them in a hurry. Uh, what's coming up tonight with Inside Sports with guest host Dave Campbell? Well, you're going to hear from me first and foremost, uh, Canadian Hockey League analyst for Sportsnet, Sam Cosentino, former Edmonton football team receiver and current offensive coordinator for the Harry Ainley Titans, Brock Ralph. Wow, is that what Brock's doing these days? That's excellent. He's a good guy. Those Ralphs out of uh, Raymond, Alberta were a tour de force uh, back in the day, including Brett Ralph, who played for the Calgary Stampeders. If he had not been drafted by Calgary in the 2004 draft and played with the Golden Bears in 2005, I think Alberta would have beaten Saskatchewan in the conference final. It was a big loss for their team at that time. Uh, Dustin Ralph, uh, also very uh, skilled, smaller player, uh, joined uh, the likes of Daryl Salmon at the U of A in 2003 and got the uh, Bears program turned around under Jerry Friesen. Tomorrow's big day. It's Truculent Thursday. Louis DeBrusque, for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication, solar, Brian Burke, and George LaRock. Hit the music, Brendan, as we wrap it up to uh, close out. We, uh, we did big country to open. Do a little life in a northern town to close. We'll tell you. Coming up on 6.30 Chet Afternoons, uh, information obtained by Global News shows that the Alberta Energy Regulators sounded alarm bells last spring about the oil patch facing a landslide of failures before the pandemic. Global Edmonton investigator and reporter Julia Wong joins Jalen and I with all the details after the 2 o'clock news. Have a uh, wonderful Wednesday, everybody. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell in the 630 Chet Afternoons at Jalen 9. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet.